I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, where we explore the ways music makes our lives better. My guest today is Dr. Alice Cash, a clinical musicologist based in Louisville, Kentucky. Dr. Cash holds a PhD in musicology, a master's in piano performance, and a master's in social work. She has over 40 years of professional experience as a college professor, clinical therapist, solo and chamber music performer and composer. Dr. Cash's clinical work at the University of Louisville led to her career in music medicine, where she developed expertise in the use of music in perioperative care. Welcome to Enhance Life with Music, Alice. Thank you so much, Mindy. I am so excited to be here with you today and to uh, let people know about music medicine. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And just from our conversation before I hit the record button, I'll just tell listeners, I want to be like Dr. Cash when I grow up. (laughs) We just had a great time chatting and she is just involved in so many exciting things. And uh, I I hope that I'm doing a lot of those types of things when I, like I said, when I grow up. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, kicking things off, for listeners who, like me, are not in the medical field, I'm just going to define what perioperative care is. It's also known as perioperative medicine. It's the practice of patient-centered, multidisciplinary, and integrated medical care of patients along the full continuum of perioperative uh, care from the moment of contemplation of surgery until full recovery. So starting out, how and when did you see the potential and develop such an interest in incorporating music into this surgical experience? Well, let me backtrack first to how I got into music medicine, period, because uh, I had just gotten my PhD in musicology in 1990. And Traditionally, musicology is more about music history, but uh, it's it's always about research into music of some sort. So uh, my PhD dissertation was actually about Wanda Landowska and the revival of the harpsichord. But as I was finishing that, one day I was down at the University of Louisville School of Music and I saw a poster on the bulletin board that was announcing three day-long workshops, one music in your brain, one music in your health, and one music in wellness. And I thought, oh, that sounds fascinating. I really, I've got to go to those. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did end up going to all three day-long workshops that were taught by a man named Dr. Arthur Harvey. And at the end of those three days, I thought, oh, this is what I want to do, this music medicine, which mm-hmm. is different from music therapy. Yeah. Can you want to clarify that real quick? Yeah, yeah. Let me just say a, a word about that. Music medicine uses music as the intervention. Music therapy uses a music therapist and music as an intervention. So in other words, to have music therapy going on, you've got to have an actual registered board certified music therapist that is creating a relationship with the patient, finding out what kind of music they like, uh, what their issues are that they are working on, and then creating a program with specific goals and steps to those goals. Okay. So it's more dependent on how that therapist is applying music in a given setting. 
Right, right. And it's extremely individualized. Music medicine is much more uh, open to anybody. You don't have to have a music therapist, but the music itself has been therapeutically uh, developed or chosen, uh, curated is the word I like to use. Mm -hmm. And so um, you can use music in a therapeutic way. Nurses can do it. Even individuals like you and I that are already musicians, we can use music medicine for ourselves. Sure. So anyway, after I did the, these three workshops at UofL and decided this was really what I wanted to do, the man who had given the workshops, Dr. Harvey, said, Alice, let me think about how we can get you into this because there's no degree in music medicine. Mm. You can get a degree in music therapy, but not in music medicine, which is much broader. And actually, I think music therapy is a part It's a subheading under music medicine. Music medicine is the much broader area. Okay. So um, I had just gotten my PhD, as I said, in musicology. So about six months later, he called and he said, Alice, I want to basically slide you into my position here at the University of Louisville. I have been offered a wonderful job in Honolulu teaching at the University of Hawaii. And I would like to recommend you to take over my job here. Mm, And I was like, oh, my goodness, Arthur, thank you for thinking I could do that. But, you know, I haven't had any formal training in music medicine. And he said, don't worry about that. You have a Ph.D. in music. And Dr. Elkies, the man who's head of this program, will send you around the country to study with leaders in music medicine. And um, he did that. I went to Boulder, Colorado and studied with Don Campbell, who wrote The Mozart Effect. I went to Phoenix and studied with uh, Dr. Alfred Tomatis, Mm -hmm. who has done Mm -hmm. so much work on music and learning and the brain Mm -hmm. and autistic children and things like that. So I pretty much did a crash (laughs) self-education course. It sounds like it. And all of this. And the first thing that they wanted me to uh, do some research in when I got to the University of Louisville was music with Alzheimer's patients, because uh, my boss, Dr. Elke, said, Alice, my peers are being diagnosed with Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. disease. He was Mm -hmm. late 70s at the time. And he said, we have lots of anecdotal reports about Mm -hmm. the benefits of music with Alzheimer's, but we need some actual empirical studies that show how do you choose the right music for Alzheimer's patients? How much do they need? What benefits do we get from doing the right music with them? Uh And how long will these benefits last, etc.? He had a grant from the wonderful Fetzer Foundation in Michigan, I believe, that paid for my salary for about seven years there doing research in music medicine. So we started out with music and Alzheimer's. Then he wanted me to do a study about psychophysiological benefits of chanting. Oh. And we found a local group of very experienced Buddhist chanters that did the Namyoho Renge Kyo chant. And we hooked them up to biofeedback equipment and measured their muscle relaxation and their breathing and their skin temperature and things before they chanted. And then while they were chanting and then while they were doing another 
vocal sort of activity. They were just reading aloud from a book. And when they started chanting, everything changed for the better. And people calmed down. They were able to focus. Their skin temperature warmed up. Uh, It was just an amazing study. But anyway, at the same time, I started getting a lot of invitations to speak, first locally and then out in the state and then eventually out in the country and even other countries. One of my friends said, Alice, a lot of the things that you talk about, you know, people know a little bit about it and you, you add to that. But the one thing you talk about that nobody else that I know of is talking about is music with surgery. Mm. And I think you ought to consider really going deep into the benefits of music in the perioperative period. In other Mm -hmm. words, before, during, and after surgery. Mm -hmm. So that was the beginning of it, Mindy, right there. Wow. Oh, very interesting. Well, tell us what are some of the ways that music can improve the surgical experiences for patients and patient outcomes? Okay. Well, most everybody has had some sort of procedure, whether or not it was major surgery, it doesn't matter, even if you had like a filling at the dentist. Yeah, so let's talk about what we are talking about by surgery, because when I hear surgery, I think about the game operation. You know, it's like all those little pieces that you have on the body, you know, operating on bones and organs and things like that. But you use these these processes, this music, these soundtracks for labor and delivery, dental procedures, kidney dialysis. Like, tell us about what we're talking about when we talk about perioperative care or procedures. Right. Right. Well, when I talk about music for surgery, I'm talking about any medical or dental procedure that causes anxiety. As I say, that could be anything from getting a filling at the dentist. I don't even like getting my teeth cleaned because I don't like that high speed whirring right near my ear and right Uh near my face and all of that. But I mean, uh, blood draws. I don't know many people that say, oh, I don't mind having blood drawn. I mean, I know people who pass out. Okay, They just see the needle. So there is a lot of anxiety around medical and dental procedures because it's about anticipating pain. And when you are anticipating that somebody might hurt you, not intentionally, but even accidentally, you tense up. Mm -hmm. And the more you tense up, then the more Novocaine or anxiety medication or anesthesia or even pain medication it takes in order to get you relaxed. Mm. So my idea was when somebody is getting ready to have a medical or dental procedure, whether major or minor, if they could have some headphones that would already have soothing, calming, beautiful music, and before you ever leave the house, lie down on the couch for maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes Put these headphones on, close your eyes, and start deep breathing in and out, just like you would do with Lamaze or, Uh you know, a childbirth method or any sort of calming breath-related relaxation. For people who don't have the headphones, now, once I created my headphones and had this idea, I got a patent on them and determined that no one else had done this, which was really kind of surprising because once I tell people, they're like, wow, it's such a logical idea. I'm surprised nobody else had ever thought of that. 
Yeah. Well, and I, I want you to explain some more in a minute about exactly what those headsets are. But first, let's just back up a little bit. You've done a lot of research on yes. arts and medicine. And tell us some more about what studies have shown about the results of using music for surgery. You just mentioned that it can really help before the procedure to calm people down, reduce anxiety, which reduces the need for uh, like a, a reduced need for anesthesia? Well, the anesthesia is more during the surgery. Prior to surgery, like if you go to a surgery center, let's say for cataract removal or joint replacement or even an endoscopy or a colonoscopy, a lot of times they will give you a Valium tablet as soon as you walk back there and start getting into the gown and starting an IV they will either give you Valium or Xanax or they'll put it in your IV. Okay. And yes, it's very effective at calming you down and making you feel like, oh, this is no big deal. But it's also potentially addictive. And okay. many people have become, they, they take Valium every day because they like the way it makes them feel. So if we can reduce or even eliminate the need for what's called benzodiazepines, that's the Valium, Xanax, okay. um, other kind of anti-anxiety drugs. By using music, that's the way to go. Okay. So uh, that's the preoperative use of it. Then intra-op, you have the music taking you on into surgery. And the VA hospital here in Louisville did a study specifically on men having major abdominal surgery. So that would be like hernia surgery or bypass surgery of some sort. It found a significant decrease in the amount of pain medication they needed, and that would be opioids. And that was and during surgery or is this recovery or both? Surgery. Okay. Yeah. So I think this particular study was looking at opioid consumption. Okay. So you have to have pain medication during and after surgery. And the anxiety is mostly before surgery. Okay. There was, again, a significant, a statistically significant reduction in the amount of opioids required in the patients that were using our playlists on headphones. But then there have been all kinds of other studies that you can see on my website showing um music that was introduced in other ways. Sometimes hospitals want to just play the music through speakers in the ceiling or the walls of the OR, but many studies have found that when the music is coming through headphones, it's much better because not only does it put the soothing music directly into the patient's ear through the eighth cranial nerve, but it blocks conversations that the medical staff might be having ah. that the patient doesn't need to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Things like, uh-oh, this this is worse than we thought. <laughs> you know, this person isn't going to be around long. <laughs> you know, I mean, they actually do say things like that, thinking that the patient can't hear. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, I'm just thinking too, the relaxing music that the patient will benefit from might not be as beneficial to the surgeon. Like we don't want the surgeon falling asleep exactly. and getting too relaxed. Exactly. So that's one of the main reasons that I came up with this idea of the patient having headphones with slow, soothing, steady tempo, because the surgeon often chooses upbeat 
tempo uh, and, and music that will keep his energy level up. Yeah. And uh, a nurse at one of the local hospitals here came to hear me speak. And she said, Dr. Cash, we have a surgeon at our hospital who likes to operate to the queen song. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> and I, she said, I just think it's awful. And I said, I totally agree. That should not be, that is not funny. You know, if he thinks right. it's funny, it's right. very disrespectful. Sure. Well, and then also you, I, I saw somewhere, I think on your website, you mentioned, well, what if the surgeons listen to listening to music that happens to be the patient's breakup song or something like that, right. you know, or just has really significant connotations for them. So, yes. yeah. It, because music has very powerful associations for people. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, the breakup song is one. But I had a lady say, I don't want to hear Amazing Grace while I'm having surgery because mm. that was played at my grandmother's funeral. Sure. And I loved her so much. Every time I hear that, it reminds me of my grandmother and I just start sobbing. Ah, sure. So, uh, well, and I think your music, because of that reason, is not any well-known tune at all, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so because I am a pianist, my classical playlist is all piano music, but it's not Claire de Lune. It's not Moonlight Sonata. It's not anything that you might have played on a recital and had a memory slip, and you don't want to be hearing that when you ah. go into surgery. So did you compose it just for use in these tracks? I chose, I curated classical piano pieces that had the characteristics I was looking for, but were basically unfamiliar. The only familiar piece and we'll hear that if we start the classical sample at the beginning to a wild rose by edward mcdowell okay and a lot of people especially older people they played that when they were taking piano or maybe they heard their mother or their grandmother or their aunt somebody that lived with them playing that on the piano but the only comment i've ever had on that one piece to a wild rose a lady who is a retired prima ballerina here in Louisville. She said, oh, that was so reassuring to me when I heard that, because when I first started ballet, that was one of the songs they would play. And the songs that you select, curate, are there, I'm sure there's some proprietary information, but in what can you share with us about them? Like, are, is there a certain beat that you're looking for that is similar to a heartbeat rate? Or what are some of the things that characterize the music? Yes, the music that I'm looking for has a slow, steady tempo that is similar, let's say, or comparable to the resting healthy heartbeat. Okay. And the reason I came up with that idea was because when you're anxious before surgery, you're getting ready to have a procedure that you think might very well be painful. Your heart rate speeds up sure, and your heart is really beating fast and your breathing is shallow and rapid. Mm -hmm. So thanks to a process called rhythmic entrainment, when you put the headphones on and you start listening to music that has that slow, steady tempo comparable to the resting healthy heartbeat, your heart rate and breathing automatically begin to synchronize with that. Ah, uh, 
Yeah. So it well, when you were talking about the monks chanting earlier in our conversation, as you're talking and describing it, I thought, I feel like my blood pressure is going down and I'm getting relaxed just listening to you talk about this chanting because pretty much chanting is all, you know, more that slow, rhythmic type of a pace. And so just thinking about it kind of helped me feel more relaxed. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I feel the same way. You know, I've asked myself many times. If I, I wish I could do a study on myself because I would like to know if actually listening to a piece of beautiful music almost as good as thinking about that very same piece of music, mm. sitting calmly in my chair and thinking about a piece of music that I find. I mean, I personally still love Paco Bell Cannon. Now, sure. I know a lot of people are tired of it because it's been used to sell cars and champagne <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. But I still find that such a beautiful piece. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Well, and and, and you've mentioned a lot of classical music, but your soundtracks, there are five different genres, shall we say, that that listeners can choose from classical being one, but also jazz, new age, lullabies, and memory care playlists. Correct. And let me just tell you a little bit about how I did that, because When the VA hospital here did their first study on the men with major abdominal surgery, the anesthesiologist was the one that was basically conducting the study and asking the the vets if they would like to be part of a study listening to music through headphones. And she told them, this is classical music. And some of them said, well, I don't like classical music. I want to hear country music Mm -hmm. or I want to hear uh, classic rock like, you know, Beatles and Mm -hmm. stuff. And so we had to explain that that music is still under copyright and we would have to pay Mm -hmm. for the rights to use Beatles tunes or Mm -hmm. country music, anything like that. And that classical music was now in public domain. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends is actually playing the classical pieces. So there was no copyright issues. I paid him for the use of his playlist on my headphones. And uh, that's how we took care of that. But later on, a hospital wanted to use our headphones and they said, but we've got to offer at least two different genres. So I commissioned a jazz trio here in Louisville for the jazz playlist. And they specifically are just kind of improvising music that has the tempo of the resting healthy heartbeat in a jazz style. Here's a quick break for one of our sponsors. Someone may have told you that ARP isn't for you, but they were wrong. Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Anyone can create Arts for the Health of It. No talent or experience necessary. This is a quick break to tell you about my new favorite energy bar, a bar that has combined two of my favorite things, music and food. Jam Bar is a certified organic whole food bar that was created by Jennifer Maxwell, a food science and nutrition expert, athlete, and musician. Jennifer was also co-creator of the original iconic Power Bar in the 1980s that launched the entire energy bar industry. Jennifer's love for music inspired the creation of Jam Bar, and you can see that reflected in the music-themed flavors that include musical mango, jam and jazzleberry, chocolate cha-cha, and malt nut melody. 
One of the things I like best about these bars, besides the great taste, is that they are higher in protein and less sweet than the all-natural bars I found in the past. Each jam bar is packed with 10 grams of protein and is minimally sweetened with only all-natural sweeteners. Jam bars are non-GMO and gluten-free, and two of the four flavors use plant-based protein for a dairy-free option. On top of all that, Jambar donates a whopping 50% of net profits to programs that support the art of music and active living. For a convenient way to eat whole foods on the go while supporting causes that are making the world a better place, join me in reaching for Jambars. Available at Amazon, select retailers, and jambar.com. Links are in the show notes. Circling back to your headphones, you developed a patent for the headphones. They're cordless. There's a chip in it that plays music. And listeners also have some other options, I think, of utilizing your soundtracks with an app. Tell us some more about the headphones and what the different options are for listeners to access your soundtracks. Well, the headphones that we have now are what I call 3.0, because this is the third iteration of programmable headphones. The first headphone we sold had a built-in MP3 player, so we just put the music on that. But we found out that the battery would not last more than probably a year. And I also found out that batteries have to be exercised, so to speak. So if you wear the headphones for surgery and then you come home and you maybe use them for another week or two and then you put them in a drawer and you pull them out six months later, they may or may not work. Mm. So uh, we came up with another headphone that I actually ordered from China that had the micro SD card. But the problem with that was I had to order a thousand headphones at a time. And uh, I couldn't even accommodate a thousand headphones in my house (laughs) (laughs) and and, and fit myself and my family in. (laughs) So we, we sold those and then I found another headphone that I could order as I need and uh, I order the micro SD cards, load the music on that the hospital requests. Like a lot of times a hospital will order 25 headphones and they want five classical, five jazz, five new age, five lullaby and five memory care. And they distribute those headphones throughout the hospital in the geriatric area and the newborn nursery in the regular population that's having just traditional surgeries. So that's what I recommend. And honestly, I would love to see hospitals buy our headphones and actually give them to the patient when they leave the hospital. Ah, well, and your headphones are being used at some of the leading hospitals in the U.S. and internationally. Can you say the names of the hospitals that are using them or not? Well, no, I mean, I can say that two, two different Cleveland clinics, there are 20 Cleveland clinics in the world. And the one in Cleveland and one in Florida are both using our headphones. Okay. Johns Hopkins is using our headphones. Mayo Clinic was the first to use them. They started out with uh, post-cardiac surgery. So the recovery area for cardiac patients, the headphones were very beneficial to people there. I would imagine now they're using them in other areas of the hospital too. The Cedars-Sinai Hospital in Los Angeles has had them in their ICU. I know that. And a hospital in Korea is using them. Canada, I mean, Hawaii, they're, 
they're in use around the country. But initially, I was trying to offer them to patients, and patients would order them off my website. And finally, people said, Alice, from a business perspective, you need to be marketing to hospitals. Mm, sure. They need to be the ones to buy the, the headphones and have them waiting for patients. And so that's what I'm doing now. And I'm having a lot of success with VA hospitals around the country. A lot of them are, are ordering them. But then another person said, you should turn your playlist into apps so that patients can download the app or apps of their choice. So each playlist is an app in the Apple App Store. Oh, okay. And uh, I did have them also in the Google Play Store, but so few people on the Google Play Store downloaded them that now they're just on the Apple App Store. Oh, okay. But they're like $9.99, I think, for a playlist. And you have it forever. Mm, So when I go to the dentist, especially, I put my AirPods in and then I stream one of my playlists Mm. during the dental work. And if if there's going to be a lot of drilling, I usually put on the classical playlist. Well, that's, yeah, that's a great point is those sounds of the surgery itself, whether whether it's drilling or sawing, (laughs) you know, I mean, I had a dental procedure done. Oh, it feels like just yesterday, but it was probably like four years ago. And I had half of my mouth done uh, at one time and then went back six months later, or three months, I don't remember it later and had the other side done. Mm. The second the second time around, I was much more mentally prepared. The first time I wasn't really mentally prepared for what it was going to be like. And just the the feeling of tugging and the the sound of, you know, it just, I won't go into it and gross people out, but it is, it is. Yeah. And um, so that second time around, I was much better prepared and had earbuds with me with things preloaded to listen to. But Good. you point out in some of your materials that for some surgeries, you need to be awake. And even if you're sedated to some extent, you need to right. be awake, you need to be able to wiggle your toes when you're asked to, for example, things like that. And these headsets allow people to utilize this music therapeutically, but they can still hear commands when they need to. So that's something that's important to know. And then I heard you describe a situation too, where even when people are out, whether because of anesthesia or even being in a coma, I I was just fascinated by the story about how some of these patients still hear things. and. You, you had that story about the person who was in a coma right. and later woke up and they could remember the music that was being played. One of the nurses would kind of hum or sing along with the music. Yes. And that patient came back later and asked to speak with the singing nurse because right. her singing, I, I, I think he said something like her, the sound of her singing is what was continually just leading me back to life or something exactly. like that. Exactly. It's such a beautiful story. And the other nurses at the hospital were unaware that one nurse, when she would go into a patient's room, even when they were in a coma, she still needed to do certain things, take their temperature and their vital signs, and that she would just kind of be humming or sometimes whistling. And the patient said, literally, he was lying there in a coma, not knowing if he was alive or dead. But every time she would come in and hum or sing or whistle, that let him know that he was still in the land of the living Mm -hmm. and would bring him back closer to life. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Do you have any other like favorite success story that you can share? Um, maybe where the use of your music tracks um, made a noticeable dis- difference in a patient's surgical journey or their recovery? Oh, sure. There's so many. It's just deciding which one. I mean, there's one about my mother because she was the first person I ever really tried this out on. Uh, I was in the midst of developing all of this and, and having these ideas kind of gelling in my mind. And suddenly I got a phone call one day from my sister in South Carolina, which is where I'm from, saying, Alice, mama is getting ready to have cardio bypass surgery. And you might want to come down because it's it's serious. Mm. So, um, of course, I was ready to go down immediately. But I thought, wait a second, I need to take my headphones and some CDs and maybe she could listen during her surgery and it would make a difference and it would help. So I drove down to South Carolina with a stack of CDs. This was probably 1995, I think. And when I got there, I was so glad to see her still with us. And I said, Mama, would you be willing to listen to some music, some beautiful music? And at first she said, Alice, I I don't know. I don't really like headphones. They mess up my hair. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I I wouldn't want to listen to just anything. Music that a lot of people liked, like harp music or something. She said, no, I I don't really want to listen to that music. And I said, but mama, this is this is what I do for a living. And I know this could make a wonderful, positive difference. And she said, okay, Alice, you pick out whatever music you think would be best, as long as it's not nearer my God to thee. <laughs> <laughs> because that's she's pretty a specific. preacher's wife. And, you know, she also knew that's what they played when the Titanic was sinking. Was oh, my God oh, to thee. Wow. But uh, anyway... She did wear the headphones. The surgeons and the anesthesiologists said, sure, that sounds good. And what she actually did listen to was Handel's Water Music Suite. Oh. So uh, when the surgery was over, they called Daddy and me back to the recovery area. And as we approached her bed, she opened her eyes and she just immediately, she said, oh, Alice, the music was beautiful. Bum, 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 bum. And she sort of <laughs> conducted a couple of bars with her hands. Aww. I was like, wow. She just had major cardiac surgery, uh-huh. and she's thinking about the music and, and wow. how beautiful it was. And she told me later that if I hadn't had those headphones, there were patients in recovery on either side of me that just had a curtain, and I could hear them moaning and oh. crying out and calling for the nurses. And wow. the headphone kept me in my serenity zone. Sure. Wow. So um, that was my first big success story. But on my website, I have video testimonials of a dozen different people who had a dozen different kinds of surgery Mm -hmm. telling about how the headphones helped them and how they would never have surgery without them again. Mm. Well, yeah, let's tell people about your website and some of the resources that you have. The website is surgicalserenitysolutions.com. And that's the name of your your company or organization, Surgical Serenity Solutions, helps hospitals and medical facilities that offer surgery, increase patient satisfaction, 
and reduce anxiety and pain perception using your carefully curated music that um, uses that that power of rhythmic entrainment for stabilizing heart rate and breathing. So surgicalserenitysolutions.com. And you mentioned earlier, you have a lot of research studies posted there. There's also a blog on the website. Yes. You have a YouTube channel. You mentioned your playlist available in the Apple App Store. Yes. Uh, tell us about your book. My book, um, I wrote about two or three years ago, and it's called Having Surgery? Question mark. Using Music to Reduce Anxiety and Pain Perception. And it's available on Amazon, and you can get it in paperback or Kindle version. The book is divided into three sections, one for the patient, one for the doctor, and then one that's research for everybody to uh, benefit from. Mm. And there are a lot of links on the ebook. That's why probably the Kindle version is the easiest. Mm, and it takes you uh, right there. It has direct links to the to the app store, to research studies. When I'm talking about specific kinds of surgery, mm-hmm. it has links to the patient testimonials. I would love to see every hospital carry it in their gift shop, but mm. of course, the Kindle version you have to get it on Amazon. But sure. you don't have to have a Kindle. All you need is the free Kindle app in order ah. to read. Yep, good point. We'll include links for sure to all of these resources in the show notes. And I'll just point out too that on your website, there are a couple of free reports that are available. One is four reasons to give patients music on headphones during medical procedures. So people can read that report. And then uh, there's also a report uh, on how to talk to your doctor about using music during surgery. Yes. So those are some really valuable resources too. Well, I'm sure listeners will want to check all those uh, links out in the show notes and dig into some more to these valuable resources. Alice, I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Tell us about the, the music that we'll get to hear in closing here. I am happy that you're going to play some samples from my playlist. So the first sample is from the classical playlist. And in this, you will hear that specific piece I mentioned, uh, To a Wild Rose by McDowell. And um, after that, they're similar, short, classical miniatures. And they have that slow, steady pulse. We believe that pure instrumental music is best, no lyrics. So you want to play just a little bit of the classical playlist? Yeah. The second clip is the jazz playlist because we knew that different people have preferences for different genres of music. We knew that jazz was something people were asking for. So I commissioned a local jazz trio to play 55 minutes of jazz style music that has the tempo of the resting healthy heartbeat. And we'll hear a little of that.
And then third, we have the New Age playlist, which is something completely different. This is more for the people who are into meditation and like that sort of dreamy New Age type music that's played on a synthesizer. And uh, again, it has a pulse to it. It doesn't have as strong a beat as classical or jazz, but it has a pulse to it so that you feel connected to that music and you can go into your relaxation, zen sort of state. The fourth playlist is the Lullaby Playlist, and these are familiar classic lullabies like Brahms' Lullaby played on the piano by me. Again, it's about 50, 55 minutes of music, and they're not just for kids. I think children and toddlers probably would enjoy this, and they have actually used our headphones before. But I have adults who say the Lullaby Playlist is my favorite. Mm, lullabies are for everybody. That's right. The last playlist is Memory Care. And this is for people who are probably in their 70s, 80s, 90s, that's what I had in mind, who have maybe lost touch with the music of today, and they feel very sort of lost. And this would be dementia and Alzheimer's patients sometimes. But hearing that familiar music from their courting years brings them back to orientation and helps them to remember what their life has been about and calm down and not feel so frightened. So the memory care playlist, again, it's me playing on the piano songs from the 40s, 30s, 20s, like Tiptoe Through the Tulips, Ain't She Sweet, things like that, and My Mary Osmobile. And it's very, very comforting to elderly patients. Thank you so much to Dr. Cash for joining us today and for all she does to enhance the perioperative experience with music. Dr. Cash is looking to expand these five playlists to include global music, and she's also interested in retiring in the not-too-distant future. So if this conversation has especially resonated with you and you're interested in getting involved in Surgical Serenity Solutions in some capacity, please reach out to Dr. Cash at dralice at surgicalserenitysolutions.com. As always, all links are in the show notes, as well as a transcript of this episode and a list of related episodes you may enjoy, including chronic pain relief and management through music, putting joy on the menu for hospitalized kids, music as palliative care in a children's hospice, and more. 
You'll find today's show notes at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. This is episode 167. All Enhanced Life with Music episodes are evergreen, so be sure to check out the back catalog for more ways that music can make your life better. If music has helped you before, during, or after a procedure, Dr. Alice and I would love to hear about it. Connect with me on email, nindy at mpetersonmusic.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Until next time, may your life be enhanced with music.